How are you? Happy Thanksgiving. Is it too late to say that? I just said it, didn't I? So good to see you today. Uh, welcome, welcome to you if you're joining us um, online. People have been asking me, do you guys celebrate Thanksgiving? Well, technically no, because we didn't cross an ocean to a new land. We stayed in the old one, um, just saying. But we uh, can, I do celebrate Thanksgiving, and uh, we're grateful for it. But we have turkey at Christmas in England. And uh, I just checked the prices of fresh turkey a bit of Thanksgiving trivia for you. The price of fresh turkey in England yesterday, if you wanted a 10-pound turkey, around 90 US dollars. God bless America, huh? <laughs> Got the turkeys. So, all right. Well, we have been walk, working through the Gospel of Mark over this past year. But as Pastor Donnie just mentioned, we're taking a break from that, and uh, over the next few weeks, being in the Advent season, the word Advent means coming, the coming of Christ, we're going to be uh, we're looking at a, at a different series, which we're calling Promises Kept. Promises Kept. Around the world today, millions of promises will be made. Couples will solemnly pledge to each other that they will be together until death do they part. And then contracts with all kinds of obligations and promises will be signed. Uh, politicians will certainly be making pledges about what they would do if they were in charge of stuff. Although a cynic once said, you can't trust a promise. You can't trust a promise that someone makes while they're drunk, in love, hungry, or running for office. That really cheers you up, doesn't it? Well, we all make promises, and I'm, I'm looking at you and thinking about folks watching online, and you're good people. You're honest people. Your word is trustworthy. If you promise something, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. Although I often ask this question, um, how many of us have checked a box on the internet that said, I have read and understood <laughs> these terms and conditions? Raise your hand if you've ever done that. Forget the sermon. Come forward for prayer. This place is full of dishonest people. We've all done that. Well, Christmas, Christmas is about promises kept. The God who makes promises and the God who keeps them. All the way through Scripture, from the beginnings of Genesis to the beautiful future described in the book of Revelation, we see a God revealed, a God who makes promises. In the New Testament, there are around 40 references to promises, and 39 of those are about God's promises to us as his people. And so what we're going to do this year is um, for the next three weeks out of this series, we're going to be looking at Christmas through a different camera lens. We're going to look at Christmas through the lens of the Old Testament. Because when Jesus came, it wasn't as a result of the father saying, hey, let's do this. But no, actually right back in Genesis, his promise, his coming was promised. Uh, and then um, in the Old Testament, there are a number of promises uh, about his coming as well. Promises sometimes made thousands of years ahead of time. So now, now this weekend, we're going to turn to the book of Numbers. Now, I need to take a little bit of a risk here. I'm looking at you folks, and um, I need just to be a little personal with you. So just lean forward slightly. Lean forward. Lean forward. 
Well done. I'm looking at some of you, you're going, I'm not leaning forward. Don't you British people come over here and tell us how we should sit. Just lean, get over yourself, lean forward. I am reading through the book of Numbers as part of my Bible reading plan right now. And it's not my favorite. I'm just saying. I don't care how many thousand men Fred had in his tribe. I don't care. But it's in the Bible, and so I'm reading it. And it does show us that God is a God of the detail, right? All right. You can sit back now. Well done. That's good. So we're going to look at Numbers, and buried in the book of Numbers is a strange story that took place 1,400 years before Jesus was born. Let me give some context. The Hebrews were about to enter the promised land. Moses was at the end of his life, and now it was time to move on. And one of the enemies of Israel, a Moabite king, rented a Syrian pagan occultic prophet. And he rented him, he hired him, because he wanted this guy to curse Israel. And he thought that that would have an effect and prevent Israel from taking the promised land. I mean, it's kind of it's weird, isn't it? That apart from Genesis, the first person to discover something about the coming of Jesus the first time in the incarnation was a pagan occultic prophet. It's kind of, and it's a crazy story. It's Balaam and, you know, talking donkeys and all that. It's, it's, it's a wild story. But this man, Balaam, he, try as he might, he could not curse Israel. And instead, he sees somebody coming in the distant, far distant future. And that is Jesus, the promised star to whom the star of Bethlehem would point. So let's have a look at this. Numbers 24, the prophecy of Balaam, son of Beor, the prophecy of one whose eye sees clearly, the prophecy of one who hears the words of God, who has knowledge from the Most High, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls prostrate and whose eyes are opened. And here's the words, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Kay and I decided to put the Christmas decorations up early this year, even prior to Thanksgiving. How many like me? I mean, it's a work in progress. We're going to finish this afternoon. I can barely wait. I'm gibbering with anticipation. But how many of you have already got the Christmas decorations up? Just raise your hand and feel a little smug right now while the rest of us look at you. Yeah, we decided to put the Christmas decorations up early, and we got the imitation Christmas tree, put it together, which repeatedly stabbed me with its branches, creating a lot of unchristian muttering. I'm so glad that you weren't there to hear that. And then began the annual ritual. We call it an annual ritual, because it happens every year, where we get the Christmas tree lights out. The Christmas tree light. It's traumatic, isn't it? Some of you, do you know what I'm talking about? Because there are all kinds of different Christmas tree lights that you can buy, but we apparently purchased the self-tangling lights. (laughs) Anybody else got those? 
And I know that when we put those lights away last year, we put them away in an orderly fashion because that's the kind of people we are. Sometime during the year, a dark force appeared in our home and tangled up all of the lights. So we get the lights out, and this literally happened last week. We put like 10 sets of lights on the tree. Then we plugged another set in, and everything went out. And I, 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 did, I, made, I exclaimed. I said something like, oh, Hosanna. Something like that. So what we do is we unplug the lights, then we take the bulbs out, then we get the little fuses that are, you know those tiny little fuses, tiny, tiny little fuses. And we replace the fuse and we replace a bulb and we replace another bulb and we replace another bulb and we replace another bulb and they still don't work. So what we do is we fold them up neatly and put them back into the box so that next year we can have the joy of taking them out again to discover that they still don't work. Yeah. But when they do work, oh, it's beautiful. Mariah Carey is singing in the background. It's amazing. Precious. But isn't it true that light is more than beautiful? Light is about life. Without light, there is no life. The light of the sun, which takes eight minutes and 20 seconds to actually reach us, without that light, there would be no life. Now, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news about the sun. What would you like first? Okay, bad news first. Sorry, ma'am. Bad news. The bad news is the sun is going to explode. Scientists say it's definite. The sun will explode. We won't notice because actually light will not reach us until eight minutes after the explosion and we'll all be extinct. That's comforting. That's the bad news. You want the good news? <laughs> it's not going to happen for another five billion years. <laughs> There's a relief. But we know that we need light to live. Light was God's first creation in Genesis chapter 1. We read about it. God used light to guide the Hebrews through the wilderness. And they sang, the Lord is my light and my salvation. God's wisdom is described as being like a light. And in John's gospel, Jesus is likened to a light 16 times. This is a consistent biblical thing. So what I want us to do is zoom closer and think about this promised star who is Jesus and who fittingly, therefore, had a star that pointed to his birth, a star for a star, if you will. Before I jump into this, can I, can I just say I'm really glad you're here in the 11.30. Well done. Do you know why that is? I preached this last night. It wasn't good. Honestly, I drove home last night and I said, Jesus, I'm never going to preach again. And I realized I had three to do today, so that didn't last long. And I got home and I said to my wife, Kay, who watched it online, I said, I didn't feel good about tonight. And I said, what do you think? 
And she said, well, Donnie did a great job as MC. <laughs> so I said, bless your heart. Thank you. So I'm glad you're here. It's better. You might not think it's better, but you've got nothing to compare it with. Point number one, our world, our world is in darkness without Jesus. Our world is in darkness without Jesus. Years ago, when we were living back in England, I flew um, here, to America that is, to preach at a number of churches. Kay was not with me, and the flight was horrible. It was 10 hours, and then it was delayed by another three hours. And all the way, there was this 10-year-old behind me who wants to be a soccer player. And I wanted to turn around and say, Damien! Because that must have been his name. Desist. Do you have a parachute? And it was horrible. I mean, it was food lovingly prepared by a demonized chef. It was horrible. And I, I got to the, I can't remember what state it was, but I got to the air, airport and we landed, obviously, first. And then I rented a car and then I drove three hours to check into this motel where that church had put me. And the motel was horrible. It was the Bates Motel. Just when you thought it was safe to get back in the shower. And in the middle of the night, I'm jet lagged, I'm exhausted, I'm weary, and I woke up, and this is the honest truth, I couldn't remember what country I was in. Not just what, you know, what town. I'm like, is this England or is this America? And I reached out to put the lamp on, the bedside lamp, but a pre, it, was that, it was the kind of motel where the previous guest had taken that as a souvenir. <laughs> you get my drift? You know. So I have to fumble my way around the room, bumping into stuff, finally switch the light on to discover where I was. I was lost, confused, bewildered, and that's our world, our culture, without Jesus. You say, that's kind of brutal. Well, the Bible says in Isaiah 60, see, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. The Apostle Paul, writing into the Colossians, he celebrates the rescuing work of Jesus. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Are you like me? Do you, do you listen to the headlines? And do you listen to some of the things that people are saying these days? And do you say to yourself, self, has the world gone crazy? People are saying things these days that are completely beyond belief. And here's the thing, truth doesn't matter. As long as you shout loud enough, and if we disagree with you, you're going to tell us that you're offended. Wow. It means that academics are saying that debate and discourse in our colleges and universities is almost grinding to a halt because the moment someone breaks step with the consensus, someone says, I'm offended. You're not allowed to have an opinion. And so much of it is crazy. It's what C.S. Lewis describes as chronological snobbery. What's chronological snobbery? It's the misguided notion that because we live in 2023, we're cleverer than everybody who's ever come before us. 
chronological snobbery. Often it's madness cloaked in sophistication and shielded by arrogance. And I was thinking about this, praying about this earlier this morning. And the words of Isaiah, the prophet, came to me. How terrible it will be for those who say that evil is good. How terrible for those who say that what is good is evil. Because that's what's happening. How terrible for those who say that darkness is light and light is darkness. How terrible for those who say that what is bitter is sweet and what is sweet is bitter. How terrible it would be for those who think they are wise. How terrible for those who think they are really clever. You see, if we are going to come to Jesus as Savior, we need to have the humility to acknowledge that we need saving. That we need to be rescued from darkness and bought into light. I also need to say that if you're a follower of Jesus, more and more, more and more, we need to be people who are grounded in this God's Word. This is Bible reading and feeding is not a habit that's pleasant for pious Christians. I want to suggest that in the days in which we live, knowing and applying this is a survival tactic. I challenge all of us, myself included, to be people of the Word of God this coming year. Secondly, let's know from this story that our God is timeless and trustworthy. He's timeless and trustworthy because Balaam predicted something that was going to happen 1,400 years before it happened. To put that into context... Henry VIII was only like 530-something years ago. 1,400 years. Predicting the future can be a tricky business. In 1929, Irving Fisher, professor of economics at Yale University, 1929, he said, stocks have reached what looks like a permanently high plateau. Weeks later, the stock market crashed. In 1962, Decker Records turned down the opportunity to sign a contract with the Fab Four, the Beatles, and they said, we don't like their sound, and guitar music is on the way out. Oops. And here's my personal favorite. Ken Olson, founder and president of the Digital Equipment Corporation, said in 1977, there is no reason anyone would want a computer in their home. Mm. See, predicting the future can be difficult. And Balaam prophesied, look at it again with me. I see him, but now I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Now that prophecy was partially fulfilled in King David, but ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. What do we read in Matthew chapter 2? After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east, by the way, the east, that's Balaam country, came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. You know what that means? It means that the purposes of God span human history. It means that he has not abandoned the planet. 
it means that ultimately his purposes will come to pass and our future is ultimately not in the hands of politicians and leaders, good or bad. It is in the hands of Jesus. Now that doesn't mean, let me quickly say, that everything that happens is because it's the will of God. I don't believe that. We live in a broken world and not everything that happens is God's will. That's why we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Nevertheless, ultimately, God has not abandoned the planet. But think about this. The promise is made, and then, how long do we wait? Only 1,400 years. You see, God keeps his promises, but often there's waiting involved. I discovered that this week. Are you like me? You call up. I made a call to a tech company. You know, I shouldn't name it, but I like oranges and I love apples. And I made this call. And you press three for this department and five if you own that and seven if you want to talk to them and nine, press nine if you're losing the will to live. And then finally you get to speak, hooray, to a human being. And then the quiz begins. The security questions. What's your mother's maiden name? What's your pet's favorite color? <laughs> One that causes me to tremble. What's your password? Oh, no. And I, I called up on one of Kay's accounts. And the security questions were appropriate, of course, but... This lady said, um, is your wife there with you? I said, yes, we've been together for quite a while, really. Things are going well. Thanks for asking. <laughs> and then she said this. She said, um, are you your wife's husband? <laughs> I said, indeed I am. That's why I call her my wife. I don't like waiting. Can I have been in a more serious type of waiting recently? I asked her permission to share this with you this weekend, and she was reluctant, but I won. <laughs> Two or three months ago, she was back in England. I was here. She went back. Her mom is moving into the twilight zone of dementia. While she was back there, she got bit by a spider. We don't have any poisonous spiders in the UK. We're a civilized country. <laughs> but the spider bite got infectious. She went to the doctors. The doctor prescribed an antibiotic. We later discovered that that antibiotic is not licensed for use in the USA because one in 20,000 gets liver disease and damage as a result of it. I've always known that my K is one in 20,000. I didn't want her to be that one in 20,000, and she is. So she arrives back in America. We're driving along the road to the grocery store. She said, hold out your hand. I held out my hand. My hand is pink. Her hand is fluorescent yellow with the jaundice. We called the doctors. Go to the emergency room immediately. It's CAT scan. It's MRI. And it's the antibiotic and there is no cure no treatment 
Uh, we just have to watch the bloods, and the liver has an amazing capacity to reconstitute itself. But we've been waiting, and tomorrow morning, we'll go to the hospital again to get the blood tests. And then last Monday, last Sunday, she tested positive for COVID. And by the way, don't worry, front row, I haven't got it, <laughs> in case you're nervous. We've been waiting. And Kay didn't want me to mention this. She said there are people at Timberline, in the Timberline family, who are facing far more than this. But here's the thing about suffering and pain. You can't compare one with another. That's like saying, I'd like to quantify joy. Give me, give me 27 ounces of joy, please. You can't quantify it like that. I share this with you not for your sympathy, perhaps for your prayer, but I share this with you simply because I just want you to know that this stuff is not just a theory that I'm talking about. And I wish I could stand up here, and I'm going to say this and move along, but I wish I could stand up here and tell you that I've been the man of faith and power for the hour. I've been rubbish at that. Kay and I have an arrangement in our marriage. It works really well. She is calm and peaceful and full of faith. And I take care of the loud screaming. It works really good. So I'm not going to stand up here like three and a half feet above contradiction floating around. I want you to know that it's been a crazy time. But I just wanted you to know. If you're in the waiting room, waiting here for him, you have my great respect and honor and prayer. I think we should move on, don't you? You still there? You're very quiet. Number three, Jesus is the star, the light of the world. He's the star. Look at this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then Jesus repeats that principle in Revelation. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the first star, and the bright morning star. Now, when did Jesus say that? He said that during the Feast of Tabernacles, and here's what would happen. They built these huge lampstands. And when I say lampstand, I'm talking about, there were four of them, and they were higher than the walls of the magnificent temple. And they had bowls on the top, which they filled with 14 gallons of oil each. Then young men would climb ladders and they would put wicks made, I'm not making this up, made from the underwear, the used underwear of the priests. I mean, what, what's that? Like, hand over your skivvies, dude. It's time to light the fire. <laughs> what's that? And they said that they would light these bowls and they said the light would light up the whole city of Jerusalem. And it's right then when Jesus stands up and says, I am the light of the world. 
you know what? He's either crazy or he's the son of God or as C.S. Lewis put it more eruditely, Jesus, you can't just call him a good teacher. That won't work. He's either a lunatic, a liar, or he's Lord. He's the light of the world. And notice, when Jesus said, I am, he's using the language of God in the Old Testament. I am what I am. Jesus is actually saying, you know, when the Israelites were led through the wilderness with the fire, that was me that did that. Notice as well, he says, I am the light of the world, personal. It's not religion is the light of the world, it's Jesus himself is. Jesus is the light of the world. So fourthly, that then leads us to a choice, doesn't it? Each one of us has a choice to make about Jesus. Look at this. In John 12, Jesus said, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me, believing in him, that's a choice, that's a decision, no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. This demands that we make a choice about Jesus. Choices matter. The late Hugh Hefner, the playboy magnate, was raised in a Methodist home and his mum wanted him to be a missionary. He went another direction. Joseph Stalin, responsible for the death of millions, trained for the priesthood, but then made other choices. Balaam, who we've been talking about, he was not a follower of God, but God came and met him. And he, Balaam says of himself, my eye is open. I hear the words of God. I have knowledge of the Most High. I see a vision of the Almighty. I fall prostrate. My eyes are uncovered. Balaam saw it, but I want you to capture this, if you will, with me. He saw it, but he never really saw it. And he would later advise Israel's enemies on how to bring them down. Three times Balaam is referred to in the New Testament, each one of them negatively. He saw it, but he didn't see it. What's that got to do with us? Well, here's the thing. The Lord came to Balaam, but Balaam didn't come to the Lord. Has the Lord come to some of us? Has he come to you? You remember that Sunday school lesson when you first heard about Jesus and your heart was beating a little quicker. Do you remember when grandma told you what the gospel is? And, and some of us, we, we show up here every week. And we hear, we hear. And you sing the songs and, and you let people like me blether on and But have you really seen it? Now, please don't hear the language of condemnation or rejection. It's the language of welcome. Thank you for being here. And if you hang out with us for another 10 years and you don't become a follower of Jesus in the process, you're still totally welcome and we love you being here. But is it possible that it's time to really see it? 
In each of our services this weekend, we've seen people make first-time commitments to Jesus because they've decided to really grasp this for themselves. And many of them have come for materials that will help them in their new Christian life. Is it possible that there are some people watching online or listening in this auditorium, and think about this, you're in the last five minutes of your life without Jesus. Your days of independent living are coming to an end. And I would say that so far we celebrate because we've probably seen 20, 30, maybe more people make that choice this weekend. And I'm declaring it's going to happen in this room. In the next few minutes, we're going to witness that. You're now four minutes away from that moment. We have to make a choice. One of our worship team members shared with me this morning, the best inoculation against the word of God is the word of God unheeded. The best inoculation against the word of God is the word of God unheeded. In other words, when we just keep hearing, keep hearing, keep hearing, keep hearing, but never responding or acting, we inoculate ourselves against really responding. It's called hardness of heart. A choice can be made. Well, the last thing is this, and that is we are called to be like stars that shine. The star who is Jesus, who had a star pointing to his birth, he calls his people to be like stars as well. Look at Matthew 5. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And then the Apostle Paul, writing to the Philippians, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. How can we shine? Anyone remember that song? This little light. Beautiful. Let's go on tour. <laughs> awesome. How do we shine? Well, we shine with good works, with giving, with serving. But we have an opportunity Christmas Eve to invite people to come and hear the good news. And we want to have a special emphasis. We're going to be talking about this every week through Advent. We want to be praying hard towards that service especially and then we want to be inviting people as well. We've had thousands of these cards printed, uh, special invitations to our Christmas Eve services, um, and they're going to be available from next weekend onwards. So, so what do you do? You grab some, and you, you, you put, some in a, in a, put one in a Christmas card, or three. Or you go to your neighbor and you say, I'd like to invite you to come. Or you get really radical and say, I'd like to invite you to come with me. Or you get super radical and say, I'd like you to come with me and then come to our house afterwards and we'll, we'll, we'll celebrate. And we're going to pray as well. We're going to have prayer opportunities for prayer throughout Christmas Eve. Why not come to one service and pray through one service? 
because we have the opportunity to shine like stars for the ultimate star who is Jesus. Well, my five minutes are up. We've come to that moment. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for your presence here. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you keep your promises. And we want to pray, Lord, for those who've kind of heard the message, maybe, maybe for the first time, but some many, many, many times over. And now this is the moment when they are deciding to grasp this and call out to you for themselves. 12.28 in the afternoon on Sunday the 26th of November. If you would like to become a Christian, a follower of Jesus, if you would like to invite his light into your life, you can do that right now. And I'm going to pray a prayer that can help you. I invite you to echo this prayer in your own heart. It's a yes prayer to Jesus. Jesus, I come to you now by faith. And I choose to believe that you are Lord. And I invite you to be Lord of my life. I'm not just asking you to bless me. I'm asking you to rescue me and make me one of your followers. Show me the way. Show me the way. Thank you for all that you did on the cross that my sins can be forgiven. I turn from them to you. And at this moment, I choose. I choose. I don't want to just see it in theory. I want you to be my reality. And I believe in faith, by faith, that you've heard my prayer. Let's keep our heads bowed. If you've just prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to do something very simple. It's kind of just like a simple declaration, that's all. If you've just prayed that prayer, I'm going to invite you just to slip up your hand for a moment, hold it there, and then put it down again. And as you put your hands up, and I'm seeing hands go up around the place, would you just wave at me so I can see you, please? And thank you over there on the right and in the front and at the back there and over here on my left and at the back there and over in the middle there. Thank you. How wonderful. Jesus, would you so reveal yourself to each one of our friends who are making this declaration today. We celebrate with them and for them. We give you thanks. Before I close this prayer, I'd like to pray for others who are in the waiting room. You're waiting for something. Some of you have been waiting on God to do something for a very long time. You're waiting. And I'd love to invite you into a prayer. If that's true for you, can I ask you if you're able just to quietly stand to your feet for a moment, please? You're waiting. And I invite you to stand and acknowledge that. Why am I asking you to stand? It's because you stand when you are in anticipation. 
or expectation. You stand to say, hey, I'm here. Don't forget me. You're waiting. If others want to stand, feel free to go ahead. So thank you for those who wait, Lord, and who trust, who don't know what the outcome is going to be, but their outlook is that they want to trust in you. So would you strengthen them with your grace and your peace? And would you perform miracles? Do what only you can do, Jesus. And we promise, we promise that will give you glory and praise. You are worthy. Light of the world. Lighten their darkness. Can I invite everybody, please, if you're able, let's stand together. And we're going to not just end our service with a song, but it's the song we, one of the songs we sang earlier, but it really is a prayer, a prayer of, of hope and anticipation. And I, I just want to invite us to just really engage in worship. We're going to talk about praising Him with our hands lifted high. If you want to do that, do that. But let's make a declaration of dependency to the real star, and that's Jesus. Thank you all so much for joining us this morning. If you were someone who raised your hand and said yes to Jesus, 
for the very first time, we'd like to gift you one of these little uh, packages, and they will be right up here on both sides of the stage. And again, as always, uh, our prayer team, they'll be right up here in front as well. They would love nothing more than to come alongside you and pray for whatever it is that you're facing in your life. Well, God bless everyone. Have a great rest of your week. Go in peace.